0: You are listening to The Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is called The Three Best Ways to Build Self-Confidence. Do you really wish that you were more self-confident, but aren't quite sure where to start? Well, this episode is for you. I'm here to tell you that self-confidence is a skill that anyone can learn. And today I want to walk you through three things that you can do to start building self-confidence so that you can show up and be more powerful in your own life and in the world. Let's start with a nice, simple definition of self-confidence, and it is simply to be secure in yourself and your abilities. I believe that self-confidence comes from three things. Firstly, trusting yourself, secondly, backing yourself, which is where you have a sense of competence and thirdly your ability to value yourself. So that's trust, backing yourself and valuing yourself. If you want to know more about those three things go back and listen to episode 72 which is called Developing Unwavering Self-Confidence. Now let's stop here for a moment and ask the question why would you want to become more self-confident? Well, as you can guess, there are a lot of great reasons, and I did go through many of them in that previous episode. But just to recap, when you're self-confident, you can handle your emotions better. It means that you'll feel more in control of yourself and your life. It means that you'll be more self-reliant so that you can make better decisions for yourself, trust your own instincts, and look after yourself better. When you're self-confident, you will probably speak to yourself more kindly and therefore you'll be a happier person who believes in themselves and achieves what they want in life. It sounds like a great place to be, doesn't it? So how do you get there? Before I tell you the three ways to build self-confidence I want to share a little bit of my story which I would call the shy little rabbit. (laughs) I want to share with you my experience of developing self-confidence because it might be relevant for you and could give you some context. Thinking back to when I was a small child I was what you'd call painfully shy and what I mean by that is that when my parents would go to adult parties with with other adults who had kids I would be terrified of playing with the other kids or even speaking to them. So I would sit sit next to my mum all night while she spoke to the adults and I would be enviously staring at those other children having fun around me and wishing I had the confidence to go up and talk to somebody and be part of it. I was just too shy. I was too fearful. Later on at primary school, I never wanted to raise my hand in class, even when I knew the answer because I was terrified of being wrong or being judged. As a teenager, I was uncomfortable about who I was and having any attention paid to me. So I sat quietly at school and I just had a couple of close friends because I didn't feel confident enough to join in with social groups and activities that my peers were involved in. I did a bunch of different sports and musical instruments, but they were all solo things. I didn't feel good enough or competent enough. I didn't trust myself to be a valuable member of a team. And a few years later, when I was 19 and I had my first serious dinner date, my first proper dinner date with a new boyfriend, I was so self-conscious about having him see me eating in case I was messy or something like that, that I struggled to eat much of anything at all. Through my growing up years, you can tell that I just wasn't secure in myself. I doubted my abilities and I found it hard to value myself or my opinion. And that definitely carried through into my early 20s, where I struggled at job interviews. I feared being judged in social circles, and I was never quite willing to put forward my opinion or take a stand for anything. I didn't want to be controversial, and I wanted to avoid conflict, because I lacked trust and belief in myself, my skills, and my knowledge. So a lot of the time, I sat on the sidelines. I was a watcher. I was a listener. I was a mediator, a peacemaker. I was a passenger on the bus of life. And it got to the stage where I felt that life was passing me by and I was capable of doing so much more and being so much more and helping so many people. If only I had the self-confidence. Does any of this resonate with you? Have you felt like this before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Then you get it. Or maybe you know somebody like this. Maybe you have a child like this. It's a really incredibly painful place to be, and it's so worth developing the skills of self-confidence. Fast forward to today, I am confidently and competently running my own successful business. I am a contract coach trainer for Australia's leading coach training organisation. I'm very comfortable on camera, doing Facebook Lives, performing, and in any sort of public speaking event. In the past few years, I've done a whole bunch of things, performances and presentations that I've done with confidence and ease. And I trust myself, I back myself, and I recognize what I'm capable of. I'd like to share with you now three things that I've done to help me develop self-confidence. And I hope that you will find your own way or your own version of doing these things. The first one, number one, is to change your self-talk and thinking patterns. I'd say this is the most powerful thing that you can do to build self-confidence. I didn't know about the power of changing self-talk when I was growing up, even as a young adult, but I really wished I had started there because it would have been so much easier and quicker to become self-confident. The reason that self-talk and our thinking patterns are so powerful is that most of what we think is unconscious and negatively focused. So we get what we focus on. If you're stuck in that negative thought loop, then you're just going to get more of the same. There's no way out of that. And I also believe as a society, we tend to condone certain behaviors like self-deprecation, of devaluing our efforts or diminishing ourselves in front of others. It's kind of cool to do that. People call it being humble, but I totally disagree and I really want to challenge that definition of humility. If you look up the word humble in the dictionary on an online dictionary, for example, you'll get a definition like having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. And people think that's a good thing. But it does nothing for your self-confidence. I prefer the VIA Institute's definition of humility as a character strength. Now, this is not self-confidence, but I think it's a really big part of self-confidence. The VIA Institute says that there's a common misconception that humility involves low self-esteem and and lack of worthiness or a lack of self-focus but they say true humility means you are able to accurately assess your own skills, you can recognize your limitations, you can keep your accomplishments in perspective and you're not distorting any part of your own image, representing yourselves and in your capacities accurately. Can you see the difference between this idea of being humble to your own detriment and true humility? So let's go back to the concept of self-talk and thinking patterns. It's as simple as this. If you are thinking accurate, factual, and positive thoughts about yourself and your abilities, then you will develop self-confidence. On the other hand, if you're criticizing yourself, doubting your abilities, self-deprecating or judging yourself, then you will create self-doubt and a lack of self-confidence. The thing is that the thoughts that you have are just statements Statements in your head, sentences that, when repeated, become your beliefs about yourself or what you're capable of. So if you want to change your self-talk and thinking patterns, what do you need to do? The first thing is to start watching your thoughts and noticing how you're talking to yourself and what you're thinking about yourself. Most of us don't do that. We're too busy living lives and doing things. But it takes a few minutes a day to step back and say, well, What am I actually saying to myself? What am I thinking about myself? The next step is to notice and replace any negative or unhelpful thoughts into something more factual and non-judgmental. For example, if you catch yourself thinking something like, I can't do this, then you could change that into a question like, what would I need to do or learn so I could do this? Or what could I do? Similarly saying, I'm fat and lazy, could change into, I'm four kilos overweight and I lack energy. You see the difference between judgment and stating a more accurate assessment of what's really going on? Remember that our thoughts are largely unconscious and automatic. So it is really helpful if you work with a coach who can help you uncover your hidden thoughts and see those blind spots. And also to learn how to self-coach so you can observe some of these things yourself, like we do in my monthly membership. We have a self-coaching and a live coaching component so you can start to see and work on those negative thoughts. So that's step number one, changing your thinking. The second thing you can do to build self-confidence is to set and achieve stretch goals And right now, you'd probably agree with me that a lot of people start with action rather than thought because they're not really aware of the impact of thought work or maybe they think that actions are easier to start with or that working on your thoughts is a bit intangible or a bit woo-woo. And if you think about it, we see it everywhere, don't we? We see people who start with a gym membership or go on a diet or take some other sort of action. And they do that rather than examining the thoughts and the motivators that drive those actions. People end up doing things that they don't really like or don't really want to do because they think they should and it ultimately leads to failure. So it's way better to start with your thinking first. But for me, I didn't have any awareness of the power of my mind. So I'd use stretch goals as my main way to build confidence and to help me do the things that I lack confidence to do otherwise. I didn't know that changing my thinking would help me get to self-belief and self-confidence more quickly. And as a consequence, I think if I'd have gone the other way and started with thinking, I would have learned to manage failure a lot better and probably become stronger and more resilient as a person. I struggled with a lot of anxiety growing up. And for me, that thinking work would have been the better first step. But Captain Hindsight... In any case, I learned that if I dug deep and found courage and took action despite my fear, I would feel good about what I was achieving. The added bonus for me, I think, was that when I took physical action, it gave me tangible proof that I had some sort of skill or ability or confidence to do something. And for me, that gave me a more real sense of accomplishment than just working on my thoughts. So, in other words I'm thinking that there are benefits of both. While it's important to change your self-talk and very powerful, it's probably equally important for some people to set and achieve physical action-based stretch goals. So what are those stretch goals and what do they look like? Well, are there anything that you are afraid to do right now but would really love to do? And I want to share with you now a few of my biggest stretch goals that I've done through the years. What I've realized in writing this list is that they mostly involve being in the public eye somehow. <laughs> Funnily enough, I think maybe because I found it harder to back out of something that I had committed to in front of others. And perhaps for me, there was a little more, more of a thrill and more of a sense of accomplishment about putting myself out there. It felt like more of an achievement than just doing something internally for myself. So here are some things that I did. When I was at high school, I really started my journey of building self-confidence. In year 11, I volunteered to do a role play with two other students in my English class. Funnily enough, I was the only one speaking and the other two got so nervous they didn't speak their parts and I got really irritated that it came out in my role play and I got a standing ovation for being really in character, <laughs> which is really funny. I got such a shock. After high school, when I was 18, I went on holiday to Bali with my boyfriend at the time, and I was invited to do catwalk modelling of locally made leather clothes at a big party at the resort we we're staying with. And although I was terrified of standing up and catwalking in front of 200 drunken people, I thought it would be a great way for me to develop a sense of posture and presence and to get used to being in the spotlight. So I did that. A couple of years later, I went through university and I got to my honours year and I did a project. Uh, and offered to do a presentation at an international wetlands conference. So we had people from all over the world fly in and an audience of around 300 people. Let me say I was terrified, but what a way to build credibility and to hone my speaking skills. And I really got a lot out of that experience. After my honours year is finished, I put my name down to be a first year student tutor, which was a paid job but which involved me teaching cell biology or animal biology to classes of 25 to 40 first year university students i was really frightened of being in front of people in this more intimate environment in intimate environment but i think it really taught me how to be agile how to think on my feet and how to be sure that i really knew my material and could also say, I don't know. I learned a lot of humility in that process of teaching. From the age of 25 onwards, I realized that doing public presentations was really great for my confidence and for my speaking. So I started presenting my research from my business and the findings of the work that we'd done at environmental conferences roughly once a year in front of audiences of around 100 plus people, up to 500. So that regular presentation at industry confidence, conferences was really good for my self-confidence. So you can see that my confidence is building. I was getting in front of bigger audiences and not just showing up, but doing bigger and bigger or more risky things in my own mind. Then when I was 27, uh, my boyfriend at the time was an enduro motorbike rider and he said, let's ride from Perth to Cairns through the desert. I said, well, okay. And I had three months to get my license and learn how to ride a motorbike off-road and then we hit the dirt. That was excruciatingly difficult and terrifying and it was one of the most important things I've ever done in my life. I learned so much through that process. When I was 27 the same year and a bit later, I was invited to become a company director and a manager in our business and that meant really standing up as a leader and being visible which was scary in another way but a really rewarding experience as well and I was an active part of growing that business to a team of 40 When I was 28, I was part of a belly dancing troupe. I'd been dancing there with them for about a year and we had a gig at the Perth Entertainment Centre on Australia Day in front of 10,000 people. So it was me and seven other girls on stage being filmed by SBS dancing in front of 10,000 people. That was a whole other experience, let me tell you, but a really good one too, especially being part of a team that was all nervous together and getting up and learning to dance and present confidently then fast forward to when I was 38 I went for a Guinness World Record for the longest belly dance shimmy at a local health expo and that was promoted in local and interstate media on the radio and in print so I'd never exposed myself in that way and I was a little lacking in confidence about my abilities in that area and what would happen if I couldn't break the record or what if I could so it was a slightly different experience, but a great way for me to challenge and build my self-confidence. So you can see that I started small with that role play in English class, and it got bigger and bigger as I got older and more confident. Now, these are just examples. They could be way bigger goals than you might like to stretch for. For me, I think showing up in front of an audience gave me a sense of validation and I also probably got a lot of external feedback from that or proof in the world that my goal was real and perhaps a more tangible sense of accomplishment. Right now, you might be asking, what should my stretch goal be? I don't want to stand up in front of people on a stage. (laughs) Fair enough. So I'll say that what's most important is that you work where you are now. Challenge yourself to the level that is comfortable for you but still a stretch and will guarantee your success. The reason I say that is because if you set your goals that are as a stretch but winnable then you will build confidence. If you are constantly aiming too high and failing it's going to probably be an emotional setback and erode your self-confidence. So make sure that you're 90% sure you can achieve your stretch goal. Start small and build up, but do it intentionally. Maybe your first stretch goal could be to strike up a conversation with someone at a party that you don't know, or even to attend the party. Maybe your stretch goal could be to ask for a raise or to have a sales conversation with a prospective client. Maybe your stretch goal is to say no to yourself for a second scoop of ice cream. Right now, Decide on two to three goals that are really meaningful for you. Maybe think of one action that you will take each week for the next three weeks. They could be the different, the different goals or the same goal done repeatedly. But commit to them. Put them in your diary. Do them. Recognize them. Notice what happens. Start somewhere where you are now and know that you can build up to more challenging goals when you're ready. The third way to build self-confidence, my third tip, is for you to intentionally recognize success. Now, this third part is so important, and it's actually probably the easiest way to build self-confidence. The challenge is this modern epidemic that I think we have of constantly striving for more. We all have these increasing expectations of ourselves, and often it's without recognizing how much we've already achieved and what our capacity is. We often think we're not as good as we actually are or we can't do as much as we actually do. But when we look back, we see, wow, I have achieved a lot today. I can do a lot of things. I have capacity to produce much more than I thought. But this epidemic is what I call a pattern of pursuit and I recommend it's a habit that you break My definition of a pattern of pursuit is when you're constantly striving and achieving but feeling like you're not getting anywhere, you're not recognizing your efforts such that you feel not good enough and I think it happens when you're too busy doing and rushing and not taking the time to be, to reflect and to acknowledge yourself. Self-confident people have humility and if you Recall the earlier discussion we had in this episode, the VIA Character Institute's definition of humility is being able to accurately assess and represent yourself and your capabilities. Now, think about that. How can you accurately assess and represent yourself and your capabilities? Well, first, you have to reflect on what you are capable of and acknowledge what you've achieved to know what you're truly capable of. You can't assess anything without reflection. And that is where this comes in. Every time you recognize your own achievements, such as accomplishing a stretch goal or completing something, it's gonna give you a sense of self-confidence. And what I love most about you intentionally recognizing your success is that it helps you to quickly learn how to trust and back yourself and to value your own opinion and skills. And when you do those things, when you learn to value your own opinion and to trust yourself and to know what you're capable of, you're going to stop worrying about whether you're good enough or not. You're going to stop worrying about what other people are doing, other people's opinions, whether you're doing the right thing according to someone else, whether you're keeping up and whether people are judging you or not. Those things will melt away. When you value your own opinion and you start to become more self-reliant, you will set your own internal standards and develop your own motivation to succeed. And that's really powerful. That's when you start really having breakthroughs in your business, in your life, in your relationships. It's powerful stuff. So in terms of How you actually do that, how you actually intentionally recognize your success, my favorite ways are to tick off tasks that I've completed in a physical work diary. I have a diary and I write down how I spend my time, which is good for efficiency and or understanding efficiencies in my business. But it also means I'm ticking things off and I'm seeing those ticks that I've physically drawn with my hand. And that's a sense of accomplishment. Another thing that I like to do to recognise success is to monitor exercise movement and standing on my Apple Watch. Having those rings to close is really powerful. I have that visual reminder so you can tell that the visual and the physical things are more uh, meaningful for me in terms of recognising success. Depending on your learning style you may be the same or different. I also have a nightly ritual with my husband where we speak about our accomplishments over dinner. So we have this verbal interaction talking about what we've achieved and we support and back each other in that process and it feels good. Another thing I do is to journal about achievements and goals. You may find your own ways to intentionally recognize your success, but those are a few ideas. So let's wrap up what we've spoken about today. To summarise, even the most timid little rabbit can become a self-confident person. Self-confidence is simply a skill that you can learn. And the three easiest ways to build self-confidence are to watch and change your self-talk through coaching, self-coaching or journaling. Number two, to set and achieve stretch goals that are 100% or at least 90% winnable. And start where you are now and build up. Number three to use simple ways to measure and recognize your daily and weekly achievements. Maybe visual methods or something else. Those three things, if you create a bit of an action plan for yourself, will help you to build self-confidence quickly and easily. And if you would like to work on your self-confidence and master it in a really focused and intentional way, pop into the Habitology membership for February 2020 where we'll be studying and self-coaching around these important skills so that you can master them. I'm going to include a link in the show notes for this episode and if you want to join the membership, you'll need to do so by the 4th of February. That's when the doors close. In the meantime, please comment below and let me know your favourite confidence boosting technique. I'd love to hear about what you do to boost your own confidence. Okay. Thanks for listening today. I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now.